0: Good morning. It is so good to see all of you here today. Uh, some, uh, new friends, some old friends. Um, it, it's good to uh, have some friends back with us who we haven't seen for a while. I think like the Wissinks. Uh, how they have blessed us today, and uh, we actually met them on a marriage retreat cruise about three years ago, and then we were able to do that same cruise uh, this last year, I think it was this last year, was it this last year? And uh, we've been blessed to have them in our house and, and share a couple of meals since then, so what a blessing to have you all with us. To be back. It's great, and you blessed us today in song. And it's good to have Adam Levet. Man, we've missed you, Adam. Welcome back. And, and uh, y'all can thank Adam for that uh, beautiful fence uh, in the area today. And if you ask Adam, he'll say it was his team. And uh, there's some truth to that, but uh, we're so glad gl- 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 and we've missed y'all welcome back and Aunt Martha oh we're so glad to have Aunt Martha and we'd like to have you with us as well and I haven't met you yet but we're glad to have you with us as well and remember Justin Wax is deployed in Poland and remember Cole Powers uh, today. Uh, uh, even today having his uh, send-off service in Nashville and so it's a hard day for Danielle and uh, the girls. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to open Your Word and to learn from Your Word. Lord, touch our hearts. Bring us into conformity with the image of Your Son. For those of us who have not yet trusted Jesus as Savior, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. In Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I love great quotes. You look good quotes? You know what I'm talking about? Young people would say these are memes on Facebook. I guess Facebook is old fashioned now, but I actually collect good quotes. Here, here's one that I love in particular. Ron and I recently were blessed to be able to travel through England, Scotland, and Wales, and uh, one of my favorite quotes is by George Bernard Shaw, and he said, England and America are two countries separated by a common language. (laughs) And I can tell you, I asked for directions on more than one occasion from people who lived in England and after they got done giving me directions, I just kinda, they would ask me, did you get that? And I would say, not a word. I can attest to the truthfulness of that quote. Speaking of the English, in great clothes, Winston Churchill sure had some drinkings. Uh, he has so many that I like. Here's a few. Uh, Winston Churchill said, I am easily satisfied with the very best. <laughs> he also said, and he would know this, he said, politics is almost as exciting as war and quite as dangerous. In war, you can only be killed once, but in politics, many times. He also said this about a long report. He said, "This report, by its very length, defends itself against the risk of being read." <laughs> and then another quote of his that I like, "We shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us." Down through the years, I found other quotes that have become near and dear to my heart. I've really latched on to these quotes and I've i sort of live my life by these quotes, Uh, it's shorthand. Uh, I use it because it's just a great communication tool and when I say one of these quotes, what I'm saying is, I have found this to be true, I hang on to this, let me tell you this so I don't have to tell you anymore. Let me just give you the quote. Actually the very first quote that I ever remember was on a t-shirt that my mom and dad got for me. Uh, back in the 60s, and it, and it had a picture of this really cool-looking guy on there, and it said, cool is as cool does. It took me years to figure out what that meant. I'm still not sure I know what it means. Uh, here's another quote that if you're around my print shop, you'll hear me say this. Uh, at least once a week, everybody is in sales. Everybody is in sales. Ken, you've heard that, haven't you? And of course here's another quote that you might hear around uh, my work environment. Easier said than done. And it's a brother quote, when it's all said and done there's more said than done. Y'all getting these? I'm not, I'm not sure. Can you hear me? Everybody here okay? We good? You know, I love quotes, and God loves them, too. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, he sprinkles these incredible life quotes all through the Bible, and he's got a whole book of them. I mean, Proverbs is really a collection of God's quotes to live your life by. A whole book. When I first got into politics many years ago, so much of the process was just a complete mystery to me. I knew I needed votes, I knew I needed enough votes to win, and I, I knew that if I was gonna communicate my message to enough people to get enough votes to win, I was gonna to have to raise some funds. Uh, and so I found out real quick that asking people for money was not one of my favorite things. Now that wasn't a mystery, but what was a mystery was what people would give, and what people wouldn't give and so i puzzled over this it seemed like a mysterious process to me i i could not predict with any uh degree of confidence which ones of my friends were going to contribute and which ones of my total strangers that i came into contact with were going to actually contribute and so i developed one of the one of my own quotes to help me Understand this mysterious process, and I'm sure that this is not exclusive to me. Someone's probably said this way before I got here But this this was the quote that I kind of developed and I hung on to When I was trying to understand this mysterious process of politics. Here's the quote No one owes you anything And then it's Southern brother Nobody owes you nothing And I would tell myself that many times when I was going through this process. This quote became a life principle for me. It helped me realize that my sense of entitlement, that people either owed me a vote or a contribution or whatever, that that was ridiculous. And that true humility was in order. No one owes you anything. And for years, I believed that quote. And in truth, there is a bit of truth in that quote. And I was talking about this quote, this principle with Brother Cody just a few weeks ago. And when I was talking to him, it just kind of hit me. You know, you say that, Kevin, and you actually believe that. But you don't live your life that way. Because I think people do owe me some things. you can most certainly see that I believe Rhonda owes me some things. And I certainly owe her some things back. Weston works with me on a daily basis. I I guarantee you, if you ask Weston, does your dad expect anything? Do, Do you owe him anything? He'll let you know real quick that I do. And of course, I owe him things and he owes me things back. So I ask you, what do others owe to you? And maybe more importantly, what do you owe to others? If you have joined this church you will remember that we mutually agreed in a covenant, in a signed covenant, in a signed covenant before all these members, in a signed covenant before a great cloud of witnesses that are looking on from above. We agreed that we owe some things to each other. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 13. He says, Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And then the next verse he says, Owe no one anything. Wow, that, sounds, that almost sounds like the quote, doesn't it? Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So, two questions for you today. What do others owe you? What do you owe to others? Let's look at what the Apostle Paul lived through in Acts chapter 13 and 14. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. We'll be reading verses 25 through 27. We've been working through Acts. I was reviewing some of my notes just this morning. We started back in January. We've taken a couple detours. We preached through Colossians, uh, Philemon, uh, maybe another book or two that uh, along the way. But it's been a great journey. And today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13 and 14. Let me read Acts 14 verses 25 and following. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded commanded to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So we're not going to read all of Acts chapter 13 and 14. I do encourage you to read these wonderful chapters on your own after this message. But I wanted to read those three verses because we're going to focus in on part of what the Lord is telling us there. But you need to understand the context of Acts chapter 13 and 14. In these two chapters, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark go on the first missionary journey it was launched from antioch and as i mentioned he was accompanied by barnabas his mentor and by john mark a young christian that paul was mentoring so these three on the first missionary journey from antioch antioch was a hub of gentile christianity at this point in time and it's a two-year missionary trip it's a long trip And along the way, they're gonna visit Seleucia, Cyprus, another Antioch, Antioch of Pisidia, Perga of Pamphylia, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. Then they're gonna go back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia on the way back. And so they're gonna cover a lot of ground. It's gonna take two years. They're gonna cover thousands of miles, most of the cities, that they're gonna cover are in what is now, today, presently, Turkey. And finally, they go to Italy and then back to Antioch, their original starting place. They're gonna come full circle back on this mission trip. And there are several notable events on this mission trip. And they almost all center around conflict. When they go to Cyprus, Paul comes into direct contact with a false prophet who is working for the other side. He's working for the devil. And there is intense conflict. Read and see what happens there. A little bit later on the trip, one of the three that are on this trip together, John Mark. John Mark decides to go back to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if that will cause conflict then, but it's certainly going to cause conflict later. As a matter of fact, it's going to cause so much conflict that Paul and Barnabas are going to split and go their separate ways and be involved in separate missionary works. Conflict. Conflict with the Jews in Antioch of Pisidia. By the way, there's a great sermon in this passage, chapter 13, that uh, Paul preached at Antioch of Pisidia. Read that great sermon. Conflict with the Jews in Iconium. Conflict with the Jews and the Gentiles in Lystra. And wow. What happens in Lystra is just amazing. While Paul is preaching, he sees that there's a lame man there. And that Paul can discern that he has enough faith to be healed. And so Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaks to him and heals him. And he is immediately healed. And the people around see this and they say, oh my goodness, the gods have come down to us in human form. And they start to try to worship Paul as a god. And Barnabas too. They thought Barnabas was bigger and taller and didn't talk as much. So they thought he was Zeus. And they thought Paul had all this energy. He was a great speaker. So they thought he was Zeus's messenger, Hermes. And Paul and Barnabas rushed in and say, No, 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 don't worship us. We are just normal people like you that God has saved. And so this crowd goes from unbelieving to believing that they're gods and just in a few short verses they're going to be stoning them. Paul is stoned at Lystra, dragged out of the city, stoned, left for dead, but God's not through with him yet. Paul pops up, resumes preaching, goes to Derby, spends some time resting there. It's interesting because he spends some time in Derby and you don't hear about conflict in Derby And we think it's because the Jews thought he was dead. But he's busy working away preaching the gospel. By the way, I want to take a little sidebar, a little time out now, and talk to you about the difficulty it is to preach through these long passages, these long narrative passages of Scripture. Why are they so difficult to preach? Well, if I read all of Acts 13 and 14, in spite of your best intentions, I know that some of you are so tired that you might not make it to the end. You might not Off. On the other hand, these long passages are difficult to preach because they are so full of great stories of how the Holy Spirit worked and what happened and how Christians responded and how Gentile unbelievers became believers. There are so many good stories in there that you could easily pick any one of those stories. I mean, there's four or five really good sermons in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And if you put your mind to it, you probably could find more than that. Sometimes these long narrative passages have us asking, what's the point? So what do we do when we encounter one of these long passages? Well, we pray. And we look. And we study and we read it over and over and over, asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have us to to talk to your church about. What should we preach about out of this passage? We ask the Lord specifically, what do you want your people to hear and be challenged from in this longer passage? And then we'll focus in on the shorter passage, inside that longer passage, that launches us towards understanding what God has for us on this particular day. That's why today's focal passage was three verses out of two chapters. And now we're just going to look at one verse out of the three. Let's look at verse 27. Acts chapter 14, verse 27. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So this verse at the end of chapter 14 is at the end of a two-year mission trip. And guess what? Paul and Barnabas are giving a full report. And we know it's a full report because it says they declared all that God had done with them. When I look at this verse, I see three principles that Christians should live by. Three principles. Here they are. First principle. Christians are missionaries. Christians should go on and support mission efforts. We have people in our church who have been on the foreign field and have done great work for the Lord. These missionaries here in Acts chapter 13, if you look at the first verses of Acts chapter 13, The body of believers were praying, they were fasting, and it was then that the Holy Spirit said, Separate Barnabas and Saul for me for the work that I have set out for them. And I gotta tell you, it's time. It's time for Blackman Baptist Church to pray and fast and ask the Lord who should go and where should we go? We're old enough. The Lord's given us enough stability. We can do this. This is His will for us. Because principle number one that I see here is that Christians are missionaries. Now, you may not be able to be the one who actually gets to go. But you can pray. You can fast. You can support. There's financial support. There's emotional support. There's prayer support. Christians are missionaries because we have the good news. It's time. Principle number two, Christians are accountable. Number one, Christians are missionaries. Number two, Christians are accountable. Christians are accountable for what they're doing. This summer, some of our young folk went to Summit Ministries for two weeks and they came back and they reported to the body that they gave a report. Our church... Every month on the third Sunday of every month we have a business meeting which is another way of saying we're going to give you a report of what's going on. After every missionary trip that I've ever been a part of, when we came back to the body of believers that sent us out, guess what? We gave a report. Christians are accountable. And we see this throughout the scriptures. Many of the parables that Jesus talked about, many of the parables that He spoke dealt with this aspect of I'm going to give a worker something. I'm going to go away for a little bit and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask that worker, what did you do with what I gave you? Give me a report. You remember those immortal words that Jesus said? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into thy master's rest. That was at the end of a report. Christians are accountable. Years ago, Rhonda was in BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, and uh, what a great organization to help teach the word. And she was sharing with me last night some of her notes from years ago. And uh, strangely enough, when she was going through this study of Acts, they also looked at Acts 13 and 14 as we are today. And I just wanted to read a little bit here. Paul and Barnabas had been away from their home church at Antioch in Syria nearly two years. Can you imagine sending out a temporary set of missionaries for two years? That's a long time. And you know what all Paul and Barnabas encountered. I mean, there was a good chance that they weren't coming back in one piece. The church had sent them out to accomplish a work for God. They had fulfilled it. What a report! they had to give when all the church at Antioch and Syria assembled for this missionary conference. What proofs they had that God had worked with them. Christians are missionaries. Christians are accountable. They give reports. But Christians are careful, and this is principle number three, Christians are careful To give God the glory. You can see it right there in verse 27. They declared all that God had done with them. And I love the way the scripture is written there. They declared all that God had done with them. So they're in there. They're at the end of the sentence. For you English teachers out there. End of the prepositional phrase. You can see their importance or their lack thereof. And where they are in that sentence. But it's God that's doing the work. But How nice is it that God allows us to partner with Him? And they recognize that. Christians give God the glory. We should always give God the glory for everything that He's done. And we should be careful not to take credit for what He's done. There's a great song. Some of you may know it. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us, His Son, who yielded His life our redemption to win and opened the life gate that all may go in. O oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer the promise of God, the vilest defender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Great things He hath taught us. Great things He hath done. And great are rejoicing through Jesus His Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Some of you know it. Will you sing it with me? Praise Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord. today. The message for you is are you a missionary? The answer is yes. Christian, are you accountable? The answer is yes. Christian, are you giving God the glory? I sure hope the answer is yes. Today's message for those of you who are not believers, those who have not put Their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Here's the message for you. One day you will believe. My prayer for you is that you will believe before it's too late. As the scriptures say, Behold, today is the day of salvation. So you will believe. And one day you too will be held accountable. All those who die in their sins will stand before God Almighty at the great white throne judgment, if you do not trust Him and throw yourself on Him in desperation, you will be held accountable for rejecting the very Son of God. That's the bad news. The good news is there's still time. You can still accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Do that today. My prayer is for you that you will trust Christ today. Throw yourself on Him before it is too late. Allow Him to save you. He wants to. As the Scriptures say, behold, today is the day of salvation.